A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. There is a new book out. I have it actually right here in my uh, my fat, short, chubby hands. And it's called The Valley Boys, The Story of the 1958 Springs Valley Blackhawks by Timothy Wright. He does a fantastic job. He sent me a copy of the book. He actually autographed it for me. Uh, me being originally from Indianapolis, Indiana, and doing this kind of work that I do for the past four or five years, you know, you think that you know everything that there is about Indiana high, high school basketball, but then you don't. So I don't think I will ever know everything that is out there, but I, I love keeping the nostalgia alive and, and sharing these stories and doing these interviews. And if you're listening, you're listening on Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. That's all one word, Keeping the Nostalgia Alive dot podbean dot com. So once you get done listening to this interview, uh, you can go back and look through our library and see over 150 interviews of those who played coached, officiated, or had some kind of impact on the game of uh, basketball from the state of Indiana. So with that being said, um, the Valley Boys, the story of the 1958 Springs Valley Blackhawks, I have the coach of the 1957-58 Springs Valley Blackhawks, Coach Rex Wells. Coach, thank you so much for taking some time to help keep the nostalgia alive, chat about the book a little bit, and about uh, uh, your love for the game of basketball. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Bill. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to have some uh, conversation with you. Now, I know that we said that if this uh, this bombs, that we're going to blame Timothy Wright. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that'd be appropriate. <laughs> Coach Wells, tell us a little bit about where you were born and raised, and when were you introduced to this game that is, you know, Hoosier hysteria and a, gun, a game that is loved by just uh, thousands upon thousands? Well, okay, uh, Billy, I was born, I was born in a little village of Orangeville, Indiana. That's a village. That's not a town or anything. It's kind of a, in the country, but it's outside of, uh, it's outside of West Baden and French Lake, actually, four or five miles. And that was 1932. Uh, uh, lived there for a while, and then we uh, end up, um, my mom and dad and my brother, we ended up moving into uh, into West Baden then and uh, went to school at West Baden uh, Public School uh, in elementary school and, of course, high school, both of us. My brother's three, <coughs> excuse me, my brother's three years younger than I am. And uh, I think both of us uh, were introduced to basketball probably in elementary school when we uh, got used to playing on the playground like so many kids in Indiana did. Uh, and then that progressed on, in the junior high. We both played junior high basketball in high school. Uh, but that's pretty much where we were introduced uh, to the game, and I suspect we're not unusual guys. I suppose that happened to many, many, many uh, young people, young folks in Indiana did you have a basketball hoop at the house? Uh, we 
we did not have a basketball hoop in the house. We actually we uh, we had uh, a, an area in West Baden. It was a college. There was a Jesuit college in West Baden, and uh, they had an outdoor uh, they had an outdoor court and a and a gold. And we used to play over there a lot, just in, especially in the summers. We would play there and. Uh, that seemed to be the place where we'd end up playing choose-up games, that type of thing. Was basketball your first love, or did you play uh, other sports? Well, you know, back... Uh, I, I was graduated in 1950, West Bay and I, and uh, strange enough, you know, there was no football. There was no football. In fact, in Indiana, there wasn't very much football, uh, high school football south of Indianapolis. Very few small schools played football. Uh, we did play base, or no, we did not even have a baseball team, but we did play softball. We did play softball in the fall, and then we'd play softball in the uh, spring. We didn't have track. We didn't have cross country. Didn't have golf. Uh, it, it's that, and that, I would say that would be fairly typical of uh, small town USA high schools, you know. You know, I have a. Uh, I'm looking at a picture right now of your 1949-1950 West Baden squad. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. the the warm ups are. Is that a warm up or is that actually? Did you guys have sleeves on your um, on your jerseys? Uh, I think we did. Probably, I think so. Is the is the picture you're looking at? Uh, are we standing, by the way? Yes. Okay. Well, that would have been a 1950 uh, team. I was a senior that year, and uh, actually, uh, strange enough, that year we had the best record at West Baden High School history. We had won 16 ball games, lost four, I think it was that year, and. Uh, uh, West Baden, in the history of the school, had only won one sectional, and that was 1935. And uh, strange enough, we were the favorites to win the sectional in 50, and we had beaten Crosstown French Lake High three times that season. And lo and enough, we draw we draw French Lake the opening game of the sectional, uh, and they, of course, beat us in overtime, and that was probably the most devastating loss that I ever experienced in my life. You know, it's interesting to uh, to kind of look through the list of the teams that you guys played, and th those schools were either consolidated or no longer there, are they? They're no longer there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know, Indiana back when uh, back when we played in a tournament in '58, I think there was 720 some 28 schools that you know that that started the the IHSAA tournament. Uh, so boy, the today I don't know. Uh, that's probably been cut in half, or maybe even more, as far as the consolidation movement in Indiana, which happened really ha started pretty much in '58 when we uh, when our team consolidated with the French Lake High School, West Baden High School uh, consolidated. I think they looked back and said that was the first consolidation in Indiana. Now that's what Tim had told me at one time, Tim Wright. 
What was going on in the, what was the state of high school basketball just before you got to West Baden? Was it, uh, I mean, what were you, was it just about West Baden and French Lick and your local teams, or did you pay attention to what was going on in the scope of uh, everything Indiana high school basketball? Well, you know, over the years, uh, French Lick uh, and West Baden, of course, they had high schools that went back to the 20s. And there became a real rivalry, of course, between the two schools. By the way, I don't know if you knew, you probably know, but two towns are stuck right together. The French Lake sign of the city is one side of a sign, and on the other side, as you go into town, it would say West Baden. So they're just a mile apart, the two towns. And then, as history goes, back in the 20s, the, the two hotels that were built, the resort hotels that were built at the turn of the century, there was a big rivalry between the two hotels. Of course, you can see why. Uh, They both wanted the competition, and and they were great places, really nice resorts, and that carried over to the high schools. And uh, I don't know of any, well, there's probably other small schools in Indiana that had this rivalry, but I don't think anything like uh, our rivalry between French Lake and West Baden High. It was intense, I'm telling you, really intense. Was it kind of a, did, did, was there a hatred involved? Was there a respect of each other? Well, you know what, uh, I think if you read some of the history goes back, there there was somewhat of a hatred, but not I would really more call it intense competition between the schools. Uh, I, I suppose the older folks would have that term hatred, but you know the players, the players kind of they respected each other, and it was every night that we played that was a big, big uh, event. Jim was always full, sold out, and the games were very intense, very, very intense. Was it hard to get a ticket? Oh yeah, yeah, it was hard to get a ticket. Yeah, and you, and 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 Bill, you got to realize that the gyms were only probably uh, uh, eleven hundred thousand people, eleven hundred to get in, and of course, French Lake and West Baden population was I don't know maybe a couple thousand at that time, maybe twenty five hundred people. So yeah, it was hard to get in, and everybody wanted to see a game. It was the entertainment. It was the entertainment. I, I don't. We didn't. I don't remember TV at all until I don't know. Maybe after I went to college, that would have been in '51, two and three, long in there. But I don't remember any TV, high school TV games back then. Radio, yeah, radio. Did you play any baseball? You know, <laughs> excuse me. I. Uh, I did not play, of course, we didn't have baseball in high school, but that doesn't mean that we didn't, you know, play a lot of pitch and catch because we did, uh, kids around. But uh, end up that I played, uh, and I love baseball. That was really my best sport. I played baseball in college. I, pl- I went to Hanover College, and I played baseball, and I played basketball there, and I also played football. Uh, not having played football in high school was kind of strange. Uh, it just turned out that uh, uh, I was a PE major in college, and uh, it turned out that 
had to take a football class in college, so one of the things that the coach did, and he, he, the teacher was the football coach too, uh, he had us all check out equipment, and we would be the uh, hamburger squad for the varsity football team. Well, long story short, I was uh, I was pretty fast and pretty quick uh, as a athlete in school, and I think he saw maybe a little talent. So uh, during my junior year in college, then I made the varsity football team, and I played varsity football for two years at Hanover College. How would Rex Wells describe his his basketball prowess? Well, I think that I was, uh, as, far, as far as ability, I, I know one thing, I was quick. I, I, was a, I had a, a quickness about my feet and I think about my hands. And, of course, basketball was just absolutely my, uh, me and my brothers, that was our whole entertainment when we grew up that, that's what that's all we did there wasn't a day gone by winter and summer and spring and fall that we didn't shoot basketballs uh, I was a two-handed set shot not a one-handed I shot two-handed from outboard I was a guard I was about I don't know 5'11 maybe probably especially during my junior and senior year and uh, I don't know, I pride myself on playing defense. That was one of the things my coach taught me in high school, that if you can hold your man to l- less points than you made, then you've, uh, you've done your job. And I think that carried over my coaching as well. I know it did. Now, now, and, of course, uh, and, of course, in high school, my coach was a disciplined uh coach that demanded to be in shape and I mean he put us through the the drills to keep us really in shape and I know in high school we won ball games the last quarter of the game many many times because we out uh, we were a better shape than uh, the opposing team that carried over to the 58 57 58 basketball team very definitely carried over did you ever, while you sat in history class or math class or whatever at West Baden, did you kind of, did you, what did you foresee yourself doing? Did you, did you think that you were going to uh, eventually come back and, and did you think you were going to coach high school basketball in Indiana? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I really don't think so. I wanted to teach, well, first of all, Bill, when I went to college, uh, I wanted to be, actually, I wanted to be a civil engineer. So coming from a real small high school, West Baden had less than 100 kids in high school. So, you know, I didn't have the, the, the courses that, that would be for, for that uh, profession. Uh, so I go to Hanover the first uh, fall of my freshman year and I go in the gym I remember that so definitely I go in the gym and I go to this table it said engineering pre-engineering and uh and and the professor he you know he was pretty cool he didn't get up and shake my hand or anything 
And uh, he said, well, Wells, tell me, tell me, have, have you had any chemistry in high school? I said, no, <laughs> no, no chemistry. What about uh, another course or two? And I said, no, what about physics? And I said, well, I, I can't even spell civics. Well, I don't <laughs> think I said that. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he said, you see that guy over on the other side of the table there, uh, yeah, he said, the big guy, big tall guy, ball-headed, yeah. He said, why don't you go over and talk to him? I said, okay, fine. So I did. So I go over, and this happened to be the football coach and the athletic director and the PE department leader of Hanover College. He jumps up. He runs around the table. He shakes my hand, and he says, hello there. What's your name? And I said, well, I'm, I'm Rex Wells. And he said, Rex, I am the football coach at Hanover College. I am the athletic director here, and I'm also the head of the physical education department. That's physical ed, not phys ed. It's physical ed. Wow, I was really, <laughs> I was really blown away. I said, he said, well, I see you come from the engineering table. Uh, did you, well, you wanted to be an engineer? And I said, well, yeah, I think I did. He said, well, I'll tell you this, Rex Wells, if you sign up to be a PE major, you'll be an engineer of people. I remember that story as well as I'm sitting here, and that was 50, 60 years ago. Wow. And what, why, what was the reasoning for you to choose Hanover College, and would you have gone someplace else, but what made your decision Hanover? Well, uh, interesting there, the good question. Uh, number one, uh, I really, I had a scholarship to go to University of Nebraska. Uh, the, the guy that coached University of Nebraska had been an Indiana coach, high school, I think, and maybe coached at Indiana University a year or two. And he had he had recruited me from high school, and I was to go there on a, on a partial scholarship. By the way, my brother ended up going to the University of Nebraska, and he did uh, go there and play three years varsity at the university. But anyway, um, before I decided I might go to uh, Nebraska, I uh, looked on the map one time, and I saw there was a couple, three states between Indiana, southern Indiana and Lincoln, <laughs> Nebraska, and I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, I said, I don't think I can, I can do that. Well, turns out that a friend of mine uh, went to Hanover, and uh, he uh, he was a real good friend. In fact, he was my hero in high school, uh, and he had been in the military, been in World War II, had been in the combat in the in the islands and all. And he went to Hanover and. I don't know. He he kind of said, "Hey, why don't you uh, why don't you come over and, and visit, and we'll uh, go around and meet the people." And, and that's what happened. And and I fell in love with Hanover College. That's how it all happened. Uh, was your brother older than you or younger? He was younger. He was three years younger. Yeah, and he did get a full time scholarship. He played three years in Nebraska as a starter and. Uh, he played against Wilt Chamberlain when he was in Kansas, and uh, he was a good basketball player. My brother was. His name was Bill also. And he shot a, a one-head and jump shot, which was back then in the early 50s, was eh, not not too uh, 
common, but uh, there wasn't that many, you might say, back then, uh, one-handed jump shots. And did Bill play with uh, Herschel Turner at Nebraska? Bill did play with Herschel Turner. Yes, he did. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Uh, In fact, Bill uh, and Herschel would... uh, you know, drive back and or come home at Christmas and when they had time off together. Yeah. So I so, think then then Herschel Turner go to Shortridge High. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were they were friends and they played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me about a little bit about your 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 athletic career and your sports career while at Hanover College. Uh, I was. I was a football player two years. I played one year. I was a fullback, and then I think of my junior year, I was pretty much a defense and some halfback uh, playing time. Uh, I played two years of football. I played three years of baseball, a second baseman. I made all-conference baseball two years, junior and senior year. I led the I led a, a batting. I had a good batting average my senior year. Uh, I played two years of basketball, but uh, my junior year I decided not to play because of football, and it worked out better. It worked out better because I wasn't getting that much playing time uh, as a as a high school or a college basketball player. But uh, after high school, or I mean after college, I, or during the summers, I played semi-pro baseball in in Southern Indiana. Jasper, Indiana, specifically for three summers, and I don't know. It just seemed like that things were working out pretty good. I had a coach or a, a scout that that made contact with me in the summer of 1954, and uh, he came down to my home in West Baden. I signed a uh, I signed a minor league contract with the old Washington Senators and I was to be report to Florida to a spring training minor league spring spring training uh, uh, place I think it was Winter Garden Florida that's where we're supposed to be and I was to go there well long story short there was a Korea War going on and I had been deferred from the Draft, but after college, then I was drafted. Uh, I was drafted in December of 1954. So I leave for the Army in December of 54. Uh, but prior to that, my superintendent at West Baden. He had asked me, would I coach the seventh and eighth grade team before I left? And I was really excited about that, and I did. I coached seventh and eighth grade team, West Baden Element or uh, Junior High School boys. Turns out those boys, uh, four or five, six of those boys that I coached before I went in the Army, they became Spring Valley Blackhawks. And I think you read that in Tim's book pretty much. He's got it outlined pretty well. So how long were you in the Army? 
I was drafted for two years, spent two years in Germany uh, playing soldier. I did get to play baseball in a regimental uh, army team, and we played all over Germany. And that would have been in 1955 and summer of 56. I was discharged in October of uh, 1956. Uh, my job in the Army was uh, pretty much athletic and recreation, they call it, A&R, athletic and recreation. So I spent most of my uh, Army life in, in dealing with... Uh, Oh, facilities like I, I was responsible for managing a, a gymnasium on the base in uh, Schweinfurt, Germany, and that type of thing. And, and I played a lot of basketball in the Army, too, by the way. And so you're you're back home after your stint in the army, and uh, yeah. Do you, uh, yeah. What do you can what what do you go on, uh, and how do you get into basketball coaching again? Well, okay, uh, that's kind of an interesting story. Well, I'm in the Army, and my father was very sick, and uh, I had what is called an emergency leave in uh, December of 1955. My father was passing away and, and dying. Uh, uh, he... He didn't live with us. He lived in another town. So I came back from the Army for a emergency leave. Uh, turns out that Dad had already been buried and everything. And uh, so I got back, uh, had a few days before I had to return to Germany. And it just turned out that on a Friday night before I was uh, going to fly back to Germany, uh, I attended a West Baden High School basketball game. So I'm at the ball game, and uh, the superintendent of the school, who was the superintendent when I was in high school, he saw me, and I was there in the stands or something, and he came up and said, hey, uh, sure glad to see you back, et cetera. Uh, and he told me, I told him all about the conditions in which I was there and this, that, and the other. He said, would you be... Uh, able to see me next week before you leave and I said well yeah I would be happy to see you sir so what happened during that interlude is he said to me Rex we are going to make a change uh, in the basketball coach here next year and uh, would you be interested and I said well I don't know maybe I would be uh, he said, well, we're interested in you. So I guess right then and there, that became my career, really, for at least 10 years. Uh, I got back to Germany. I signed a contract to teach. I was going to be getting out in October, uh, 1st of October, 1956. So I returned to Indiana and West Baden, and I began teaching and coaching the West Baden Sprudels. That was the nickname of the West Baden team. Uh, coaching the West Baden Sprudel basketball team in October of 1956. Turns out that 
four or five, I guess it would be five of those kids uh, that I coached in in junior high were then on, they were the West Baden High School, pretty much the first four or five guys on the West Baden High School team, first five. And so I coached West Baden the final year that West Baden was a high school. Because in the summer of 1957, the two towns, West Baden and French Lake, they had a vote to consolidate the two schools, and the consolidation referendum passed. And lo and behold, uh, there was no more high schools in French Lake. And the name of the high school was History. West Baden Sprules was History. And I was selected as the first Springs Valley High School coach on August the 1st, 1956. And uh, lo and behold, I never thought I would be the coach because I figured the French Lake coach would be the one that got the job, frankly, because he had been he had been at French Lake, I think, for three years, and of course I had only been in West Baden for one. But it kind of happened that my record of West Baden of 15 and 7 was was a little better than his record uh, that year, and uh, I got the job. I ha- I hadn't even thought I would get it. I didn't even plan to get it. In fact, I had enrolled at Indiana University to start working on a on a master's degree, and and uh, yeah, I didn't realize I was going to. Uh, I didn't realize I was going to be the Spring Valley High School. First, first coach. Never in my wildest dream was I going to be that coach, but I, it did happen. What was the atmosphere? What was what was the feeling like when you know West Baden is no more, and now it's Springs Valley? You know, there's the consolidation and the new school. I mean, was there was was it a was were people was was it upsetting that they did it that way, or did people come together? Uh, Bill, it was. I, I guess I could say that there was a lot of old-time, hard uh, French Lick fans, you know, prior year fans, prior year players and all that was very loyal to their school, as was with West Baden, same. And uh, I think, for all practical purposes, uh, this vote was a shock to almost everybody. I really do believe it. Uh, it just happened that, I, I don't know, I guess it was destiny or something, but the vote was not that close. The vote was three to one in favor of consolidation. And I always had the theory that most people didn't get out to vote because they didn't think it was going to pass, and, and there had been talk of consolidation for many, many, many years prior. But it never happened. But in 1957, in June, I think it was, around the middle of June, they had a vote, and lo and behold, it passed. And now we are Springs Valley High School. Well, actually, yeah, we're Springs Valley School Corporation, and uh, the high school hadn't even been named. Of course, it was then named Springs Valley High School. And I think 
the record shows that I was the first employee to be hired. <laughs> now, you, you're, you've become the head coach. Uh, when do you kind of sit down, or, or are you already thinking about who you have on your team and preparing for the season? Well, that's really interesting because, uh, uh, you know, I, I, knew, I knew the French Lake players. Heck, heck yes, I knew them, of course. And, uh, and of course, I had a pretty good feel of the West Baden players. And I, I, I just, I just kind of knew that there was going to be some awfully good players in this uh, group of kids. Uh, thing about it, politically, uh, and looking back now, 60 years ago, I didn't know much about politics, but it just turned out by fate, I guess, or by natural selection of ability. Uh, it just about turned out even. French Lick and West Baden kids that made the varsity, and by, and by the way, there was competition, of course, to, to be a varsity player. It wasn't automatic. And it turned out it just about ended up half and half. West Baden High kids and the French Lick players um, – and politically, uh, it, it turned out pretty good, to tell you the truth, because it, it, if it had been more West Baden and less French Lick kids, it could have been a pretty bad situation uh, if the old Spring Valley team started losing ball games. if you know what I mean. You know, I always have that. Uh, yeah, I always have that uh, image in my head of the movie Hoosiers, and he goes to the barber shop, yep. and they give him the tenth degree. <laughs> did yep. you did you have that down there, or was it a well, different I don't kind know. of a? Well, it, we had. Did you? I don't know if you've read all the book yet. Have you read uh, any of the book? Yes, I have. Okay, well, Tim in his book, Tim Wright, has portrayed an awfully uh, uh, realistic atmosphere uh, when he talks about that barbershop environment in his book about the old-timers are sitting around and they're talking about that this is going to be a fiasco. This uh, consolidation is just going to be crazy. It's not going to work. Why did they, why did they want to change things? And who in the heck would have hired this young 25-year-old coach who wasn't even wet behind the ears he's just a young pup that's what really I, I think if I would know on the real true world there I think that's probably what was being said before the season ever started what did you think you had and how many games into the season did you think that you had something special uh, you know the and looking back, you know, I'll say this, uh, Bill, before you I answer or try to answer that question. Uh, I've waited 60 years. I've waited 60 years for this story to be told. Uh, I, uh, I look back now and I'm thinking back of all the things. And, you know, being 24 years or 25 years old, I was pretty young and, and I don't know, I, idealistic somewhat. I, I, I guess I never give it a thought that uh, that we were go not going to have a successful season. 
the first game we played, we played a good team, and we won that ball game, and everybody in town was pretty excited, and I know all of us were. Uh, but it was kind of a thing, well, you know, they won the, that first ball game, and we'll see how it goes. But after about the fifth ball game, after about the fifth ball game, me and my assistant coach, his name was Kaiser, Warren Kaiser, we began to think, hey, you know, I think we've got a pretty darn good team because we're undefeated now. And we saw... We saw the community kind of come together. Um, heretofore, you'd see the French Lake fans, they'd all still be dressed in their red and white colors. That's what the school was. And, of course, the West Baden group, they'd be dressed in their purple and white and, and setting on each side of the, of the pep club on each side one one area would be kind of the west baden guy people another were at french lake well you know after about the fourth fifth game and we we had won we were we were winning which was pretty good we saw uh and the team players saw it too they said wow now the now we see the black and white colors of the springs valley blackhawks and i thought about then uh we had the making of a very, very good team. Now, don't get me wrong. There wasn't any way in the wildest imagination of anyone, anyone in the valley, and they called the West Baden French Lake towns the valley, uh, would we ever think that we would end up one of the final four in March of 1958. In fact, Orange County... Orange County High Schools, there was four, West Baden, French Lake, Orleans, and Paola. Orange County High Schools had never won a regional in their history. And here at Springs Valley, we, uh, I, I don't know, it, it was a, a, a rendezvous with destiny, I guess is what I always call it where we ended up in the final four of the of the IHSA basketball tournament in an era I might say that was single class uh, tournament basketball of course were the little schools they they played the big schools and it created quite a sensation in in Indiana I think that's why they called it Hoosier hysteria you know yes so you get to the sectionals, and was there a point in time in the sectionals where you thought you guys were going to get beat? And tell us about that momentum getting to the Final Four. Well, first of all, we we go through the first half of the season. We're 9-0, and uh, I'm really uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited, and I know everybody is. And we got a lot of local press the local paper the orange or orange county papers they were really writing up some pretty fantastic articles about uh about the new black hog basketball team and uh so we had christmas break uh i know me and the wife we left uh french lake uh drove to texas to i wanted to see some of my army buddies you know i'm just out of the army one year 
and so we drove to Texas and visited our Army buddies and got back and started the new year. And the second half was uh, pretty much, uh, well, I won't say anything like the first because we had better, uh, we had smaller teams in the first half and we weren't quite knowing so much but in the second half we had everybody really wanting to get to us and so uh, it became pretty challenging we ended up uh, having uh, a couple three games where we just pulled it out in the last quarter uh, a couple games we actually pulled out one game we pulled out in the last uh, uh, last 10 seconds and that was a Providence uh, school in New Albany where we played them, and they were they were just on a, they were going to beat us. That no, no question, they were going to win that ball game. But uh, we pulled it out, and uh, then we go down to the last ball game at home, and it was we're seventeen and zero, and we're playing a, a team, Salem, Indiana, and it was they had a good basketball team. But we ended up kind of overconfident, I think, and we're down at the half, four or five points. Third quarter, I think the record showed we were eight points down. Well, it turns out that the French Lake Hotel had planned a huge party for the school after the ball game with the understanding, hey, we're going to win it. It's no question we're going to be undefeated. We're going to win, the, win, the, win that last game. And... It's kind of interesting. They they had a huge uh, axe, uh, ice carving. They had a huge ice carving at the hotel getting ready for this party after the game, which said 18-0. Well, I know at halftime we didn't know. It, it, it looked like we weren't playing our best, and we weren't at that point. But we got going, and the last quarter we pulled it out. We won that ball game by, I don't know, six or seven points. So now we are 18-0, undefeated, new school, have never been de- been defeated. And that theme became prevalent all through the rest of the, th- uh, the, rest of the th- two months uh, because no other school – you know, uh, other schools, of course, had been beaten in their history, but with our history only five months, four months old, uh, we were we had never been beaten, never. So we entered the sectional. Um, we weren't the favorites. Huntingburg High School was the favorites. They were ranked, I think, eighth in the state that year. They had a great team. They were really outstanding. I only lost one or two games. So we play Du Bois High School, our first game, and we eke by by four points. I think the game was, uh, as I remember, it was tied with less than a minute to go. We're undefeated. We had beaten Du Bois two weeks before in a season game, and they had, and they were really geared up. They were going to beat us, and uh, aren't and darn near did. By the way, the game was played in Huntingburg. It was a big uh, gym sellout, 6,500 people there in a one of the new subterranean-type gyms that they started building in Indiana at that time. So that first game, we, we defeated Du Bois and got, got through that game. 
and then the next game was Saturday. It was a would have been a Saturday afternoon game. Forget who we played then, but anyway, we won that one. So now we're we're hooked up with Huntingburg, who's ranked about I think it was eighth in the state. We're not ranked. We're not ranked at all. We're the underdog. Well, what can I say? We start off just like a house of fire. We couldn't miss. We just did everything right. We were playing terrific defense. We ended up beating Huntingbird by 25 points. And it was a, I mean, the Huntingbird team and the fans were shocked. They were in a state of shock. They They just couldn't believe it. They just could not believe it. And I'm sitting there as a coach thinking, wow, what is happening, you know? We weren't even supposed to be close to Huntingbird. But it turned out we played a flawless game. Everything was perfect. I mean, I don't know. I just can't. I just can't explain how, how, how it was. We just played terrific. So here we are now. We're twenty-one and zero, uh, and we won that first sectional as the school. Never been beaten, but yet we're still the underdog. The next week we play the regional. The regionals played the same place at Huntingburg. Sellout crowd, 6,500, maybe even more, standing room only. So we play a team. I forget the name of the team we played in the afternoon. It's all on Saturday, by the way. There wasn't a Friday night and a Saturday night game. like It's all on Saturday. And we won the afternoon game. And Vincennes High School, they were the favorites in, the, in that regional, they definitely were the favorites. They uh, bigger school, much bigger school than than we were, of course. And they played and won their afternoon game. So now, now we're teamed up with Vincennes High School. We're playing Vincennes High School in the finals of the regional in 1958. Uh, it would have been March, I think. Yeah, March the. 8th, I think it was, yeah. Saturday, March the 8th, we're playing Vincennes High School. So we start out, and uh, they get the jump on us, and at the first quarter, we're down four or five points. Not playing too bad, but we're hanging in there, and they're good. They're really good. They had a height advantage of us. Uh, they were just all around good, and of course, uh, we were all around good, too, not to give us... Uh, but anyway, here we go. We're I think at the half we might have been tied, maybe. But maybe we were down a little bit. Third quarter, I know we were down by nine points at the third quarter, and it did look pretty. It it looked pretty uh, much like we might not pull this thing out. But somehow, Bill, and, and I, I'm just sitting here thinking now, how in the heck did it happen? We kept plugging away we kept hanging in there we kept playing great defense we kept playing good team basketball and by the way our kids had a passion for the game that you just can't believe i know that that passion was so intense it was so much the fact that you know what we're not giving up we're not giving up we're down we're down nine points we're not going to give up well turns out we did we did tie the ball game 
we ended up tying that ball game and and if I could remember I don't know how but somehow somehow we tied that basketball game at 54 points each and I know I was pretty excited because uh, I, I thought it might be over both Doc and I sat there on the bench said you know what this may not this may be it so now we're tied with the regional with Vincennes and we play an overtime and it's back and forth back and forth now the ball game is nearing the last uh, minute or so and I'd say a minute and a half but we're five down it's 54 to 59 and it looked like it was over but again again they I'm talking about the team they never gave up they just never gave up turns out we are now down one point with 10 seconds left 10 11 seconds left in the ball game score is 58 58 to 59 Vincennes by one they've got the ball the kid out front the guard of Vincennes out front he comes down the court he's got the ball turns out he passes the ball to the other guard who is standing pretty much in the center of the court and they're just going to hold the ball for the game to end our little guard who was so quick with his hands i don't think anybody could be any quicker with hands than this little guard his name was frankie excuse me frankie self just as that toss came to that guard and about the time it reached that guard's hands our guard's hands grabbed that ball right out of his grip dribbled half the court went up high laid the ball he's only five foot six went up high laid the ball in the basket and now we're one point ahead of Vincennes Turns out, <clears throat> turns out that they fouled. I think they fouled somehow. Fouled him again, or uh, at the end of the game, <clears throat> and he had uh, two free throws and he made them both. And so we win the game. We win the game. I think it was 62 to 59 in overtime. First team in Orange County that have had ever won a regional. We're now headed to Evansville the next Saturday to play the Sima State at Roberts Memorial Stadium, which seated about 12,000 people. And we're matched up against Gertzmeyer of Terre Haute, which was a, uh, a name of history in basketball as far as Indiana is concerned. And we're the underdogs yet again. Uh, but now we're ranked about oh eighth in the state, I think, by the ranking system. Uh, we play an outstanding game in the afternoon and beat uh, Gertzmeyer. I think we were up maybe by 11 points at the end. And then the after-the-night game, Princeton High School had upset Jeffersonville, who was ranked second or third in the state of Indiana that year, and they were expected to be in the Final Four without question. But this Princeton team in the afternoon of the Semistate played 
they played a marvelous game, outstanding. And lo and behold, beat this Jefferson team who was expected to win. Well, night game, Springs Valley's playing uh, Princeton, and we ended up beating Princeton. Now, now we're 25-0. and 0. Uh, We're called the People's Choice in Indiana. We're called the Cinderella team. We're called everything you can imagine. And we're in the final four of the Indiana High School Basketball Tournament, which will be played on Saturday, March the 22nd, in the old Butler Fieldhouse, now called uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse, and on the campus of Butler University. And here we are. We're matched to play against the favorites, of course, of the tournament, which was Fort Wayne South. The school had 1,800 kids in high school, and, and Valley had 325 kids in high school. So there was a big, big uh, story in itself right there that uh, they called it the David versus Goliath in the uh, in the papers, and wondered if Valley would be another Milan team that won the state four years prior, et cetera, et cetera. Well, as they said in the articles, the slipper came off of the Cinderella team when they were defeated by the favorites, the Fort Wayne South uh, team. 55 to 42. Uh, everybody, of course, was devastated, and it was a big disappointment. As a coach, frankly, Bill, I never thought in my wildest dream, frankly, that we would get beat. I thought we would win the tournament. It, it just never, never occurred to me that we would get beat, and I don't think our kids thought it would. We ran on to the Fort Wayne Team. They had a seven-foot center, first uh, first seven-foot center that ever played Indiana basketball. And by the way, he wasn't a fluke. He was very, very good. And then they had two guard or two forwards on each side of him that was six-five and six-four. And of course, they had two great guards out front. Well, they did beat us, and they and they were supposed to. They did. They were the favorites. They were expected to win. They did. However. It was very, very pleasing to me because we played Fort Wayne South the second half even for even. We played them even the second half. I know when the coach and I left the court, he said to me, he said, uh, Coach, uh, man, he said, you guys really played tough, and I'm glad we got through it because if you'd have had a couple, three more minutes, he said, I don't know. I, I, don't, I think we were running out of gas, and you were getting your second win. That's what he told me, and that's true. That's what happened. So now we lost. Fort Wayne went on that night and beat the next team that they played. Uh, they beat them 36 points that night. So although we got beat, uh, I guess really, in all fairness, we uh, we made a good uh, we made a good showing. No question about that. People were proud of us. Of course, they were in the valley. But here it is, one one ball game that we lost. So we were 25-0 and 0 for 32 minutes that had never lost a game ever in Indiana. And uh, one reporter had asked me what I thought about losing the game, and I don't know, I made some silly remark like, 
you know what, I don't think we lost that game. I said, I think the time ran out on us. Wow, that's very well said. I, I did. I, I I truly believed in my <clears throat> in my heart. I thought I thought we'd win the state tournament. I didn't think anybody could beat us. And I think really, if and of course it's big if, if we had beaten Fort Wayne, I, we would have won the tournament. I'm convinced we'd have won it. It's a great story. It's one of the, you know, it's a unique story. It's not just about winning 25 basketball games in a row. I mean, the, this story goes beyond that. It goes about two communities that were really rivals and became kind of uh, uh, putting away old feelings and having a kind of a new new lease on life. And it 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 it's still, to this day, in French Lick and West Baden, it's still talked about as being, you know, uh, one of the really great events that brought these two towns at least together and planning things together down and doing things that they never would have done before. So uh, the story is is more, you know, it, it's more than just uh, the basketball team. However, don't get me wrong, the basketball team contributed quite a bit to having this attitude changed. It did. A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. This is part two of a two-part interview that we're doing with Coach Rex Wells. Um, the book is called The Valley, Bo Valley Boys, The Story of the 1958 Springs Valley Blackhawks by Timothy Wright. Um, and within, if you're listening to this, of course, at keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. That's keeping the nostalgia alive. That's one word. Dot podbean. Dot com. And within uh, our uh, the uh, interview that you're listening to, you'll be able to find a, a way to order this book. It's a fantastic book. Tim Wright does a great job uh, in writing this book, and I, I'm telling you, it, it 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 surpasses the movie Hoosiers, in my opinion. There's it, it's just an amazing book and an amazing read. So if you get a chance. Uh, order the book because uh, I'm telling you, I, you need to have this on a shelf. If you, even if you're not from the state of Indiana, you need to have this on your shelf and read it because it's just a fantastic story about a a, a magical season there in um, in Springs Valley in southern Indiana. I also have in my hands, and I don't think Coach Wells knows this, but I also have in my hands the Springs Valley Blackhawks 1957 to 58 a rendezvous with destiny. The new short and long basketball scorebook, and I have every single um, uh, score sheet from every game of this season that we talked about in the previous interview, and we'll talk about today. And it is just amazing just to see the uh, uh, the hand, I just, just to be that. It almost, it almost makes you feel like you're at the games when you look at some of these uh, score she sheets, and it's awesome. And a, and a big time shout out to Todd Marshall, who works for the Springs Valley Educational Foundation, and within the um, 
uh, the paragraph describing the show. I'll show you where you can be able to get this too because this is a great piece. It looks like a scorebook. Uh, it has all the clippings and everything from that 1957 and 58 uh, year. I mean, and to be honest with you, this would be a great uh, gift package of getting the scorebook and Tim uh, Wright's book on the Valley Boys for anybody's birthday who likes basketball or even the upcoming holiday season. But with that being said, Coach Rex Wells, thank you again for uh, spending time with us to uh, discuss your career and, uh, and uh, the Valley Boys. Well, thanks a lot, Bill. Enjoyed being on your show. You know, uh, last time we ended with uh, you guys getting beat by Fort Wayne South, and, and you know, yeah. uh, it, was, it was a great lead-up until then. My, my first question to start off this interview is, you know, you, you were a young man at that time, if I'm not mistaken, I think 24, 25 years old. What, how did you feel, did you feel like a coach to the, uh, the guys that were on the team, or did you feel like you were moving into a, uh, a father mode during that whole first year? Uh, yeah, I think you've hit it, Rel. I, I, I began to, uh, uh, well, you know, I'm only seven, eight years older than a couple, three seniors on the basketball team. Right. But, but being in the army for a couple years and you know that's that's a whole different experience uh, i think i matured quite quite quickly in my uh, army experience so when i got back from the army i was a little bit uh, a little bit different from than when i went in and i think i looked at this uh, coaching experience uh, as what you've just said maybe a somewhat of a father image to these guys somewhat and, and how well do you do you today still keep in touch with uh, a lot of the players, and, and, and who have any of them passed? Uh, you've brought out something that I'm glad you brought this out because we had we had a bond uh, of the players and myself had a real real strong bond. I think right at the beginning of the season, it just I don't know it just happened that way. Of course, I'm a I'm a hometown boy, and I knew all these kids and their families, so the bond was real strong. Um, and strange enough, after the season, and now years and years later, uh, over the years we continue to have reunions, and I think we've had maybe six of them, maybe six kind of every 10 years or so, and we all assemble back in French Lake, Indiana, and we have the greatest time uh, reminiscing about yesteryear and talking about our families and all. Uh, it's a very unique experience that that a team would just really and the coach just stay together after all these years. And I, I'm in contact with the players and their families from time to time, and they're they're calling me as well. Uh, yes. There was, uh, let me think, there was one, two, I guess there's been three of the players pass away, um, and a couple of the cheerleaders and a student manager has uh, since passed away. Uh, I think in the book uh, Tim wrote, Valley Boys, uh, I think he has dedicated the book to those players and uh, and cheerleaders and, and managers that that have passed away which which I have uh, been very grateful that he's done that and I know Tim was very committed to to make that known in his book
Coach, what? So, so you you you've come back to you you've come back home after after losing in the finals, uh, or in the final four. Um, a, how long did it take you to let that loss sink in? And do you still think to this day about ways you could have beat Fort Wayne South? Uh, I don't know, Bill. You know, even today, I I truly didn't think. I didn't think there's a way that we would lose this state tournament. And I think our players felt the same way. Uh, however, looking at that basketball team when they took the floor, uh, wow, seven-foot center, six-foot-five on each side of the center from Fort Wayne South, really good basketball players. They were the favorites, no question. But I really thought we might pull it off. But as the game progressed, uh, you know, I could see reality setting in, and and even though we played Fort Wayne South, even the second half, uh, we got down the second quarter by about 10-11, and we just never could recover. Uh, we had, or they had a height advantage, as did most, as did most of the teams that we played in 1957-58 have a height advantage over the Blackhawks. Hey, our tallest, tallest guy was only 6'1", and he was a sophomore, a center, Paul Ratcliffe, he was a 6'1 kid, and, and you know, uh, we overcome that height disadvantage night in and night out as uh, intense desire to play good team defense basketball. It, it's that simple. Uh, intense desire to outplay our opponents even being as, uh, as a height disadvantage. So, so when you come back home, do you have do you have a, a huge fan reception and and everybody's yeah. pr- proud of you? T- tell us a little bit about co- oh, yeah. coming home. Well, yeah, we came home the next day after the term. We stayed overnight, of course, and came home the next day. And uh, as we got into the the Orange County uh, boundary of Orange County, why, man, there was uh, a reception of cars and people. Uh, as they, uh, as we came into town, of course we would, we was led into town by the, the police force and uh, state police people, and they had a big parade. Uh, schools from around Orange County came, or you know our neighboring schools came with their bands, and we had a tremendous, uh, a tremendous parade through. West Baden and French Lake uh, with the bands from other towns and of course our own band uh, they said I don't know probably true it was one of the biggest parades that's ever been that ever happened in the valley uh, it was pretty exciting and well very exciting and it just showed how much uh, support we had uh, throughout the uh, tournament Coach, take us to uh, after you guys have lost and you're down in the locker room and you've had one 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 amazing one amazing fabulous season. Do you remember the conversation that you had with their team? Were there tears? Were were people upset? How did you calm them down? What were your last words to the team before you know you, you packed it up and went to the hotel? Well, it may have been 
I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think back. I know, I know that when we left the floor, um, it was pretty sad. We we were very discouraged and very uh, uh, not upset, but it just the fact that a better team beat us, and we just had to accept that fact. A better team won that b- basketball game. No question about it. And uh, I remember the 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 kids they were they were pretty down and all and i don't i don't i don't even know what i said i probably said something in fact how this has been a great season and and all and uh but i do remember uh a phrase and it was very simple like uh i love you guys and Later on, in the, uh, some twenty some years later, in the movie Hoosiers, that same uh, uh, that same thing was happening to the in the Hoosier movie Hoosiers with uh, the coach from Hickory saying uh, before they took the floor in the old Butler Fieldhouse saying, "I love you guys." So I don't know. I think that summed it all up right there. You know, I, I'm assuming, I've never been a basketball coach, but I'm assuming, you know, once that game was over and once the realization that you guys lost and you're, and you're driving back and after the, the hoopla with all of the, uh, the bands and uh, everybody welcoming you back, at what point do you start thinking about next season and what were you thinking? Well, okay, uh, let me back up just one thing. I do remember my, my players were really good. Uh, they went across the hallway in the old Butler Fieldhouse where we were dressing and after the game they went across and they talked and shook hands with the with the Fort Wayne South guys and it was pretty emotional I know uh, a couple three of our players became lifelong friends of those guys from Fort Wayne South uh, one of our players he, he was uh, selected to be on the all-star team Indiana all-star team First, first player in the history of Orange County to make an Indiana All-Star Team uh, selection, and he became lifelong friends of Mike McCoy, who was the seven-foot center. And then the prior and the the next year, another one of our players uh, made the Indiana All-Star Team again, and he became the second player in Orange County to. Uh, uh, to make the all-star team which was pretty uh, pretty unusual but back to your question uh, yeah i had pretty great hopes that the next year was going to be pretty fantastic we had uh, we had uh, the the two the center coming back we had forward coming back we had two guards coming back but during that summer something happened that uh that changed the core or changed the composite of our basketball team for the next year. It turns out that the um, sophomore center and his family uh, moved to Florida. Uh, uh, the family dad was a postal person and retired, and uh, they they moved to Florida, and then. One of the other kids on the team, his dad was the superintendent of West Baden before consolidation. Well, 
then they moved to another town in Indiana when he got uh, when the dad got another job in another town. So what happened to us all of a sudden during that summer? Forty percent of our starting five was now gone. So I don't know, Bill. Have you ever seen a growing man cry a lot? Well, that was me. <laughs> that was me. I'm telling you. And I thought these guys would be back, and they would have been starting five, of course. But be that as it may, the next year, you know, uh, the next year we had a fantastic season. Uh, near the middle of the year, after the first half, we were ranked ninth in the state, by the way, the next year. Uh, Fort Wayne South was ranked uh, tenth in the state, and that was kind of an interesting thing that was going on with the rankings in Indiana. Uh, that year, the next year, we won, uh, I think, yeah, we won 18 ball games that year. Uh, lost three, four, I guess it was. We did lose a sectional that year to Huntingburg, who, of course, the prior year we had beaten handily. But uh, we still had a good basketball team the next year. One of our players uh, led the state in scoring, along with another player from Kokomo. Uh, and, of course, he made the all-star team with his uh, counterpart, uh, I think his name was Jimmy Rail that, that was a Kokomo. And the player I'm talking about was named Marvin Prutt. Uh, recently, well, I'll say recently, but he, uh, in March of 19, or 2015, Marvin became the second Springs Valley High School basketball player to be selected into Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And I suspect you probably know who was the first one and uh, he wore number 33 a long time in high school and I think also in college and, and then in the NBA. Of course, you know who I'm talking about when I say Larry Bird. Of course. Now, now your center that you lost, uh, I think you're talking about Paul Radcliffe, which, yes, went, yes. Which, which went down to Florida, and he had a pretty good two years of high school basketball in Florida. Yes, he did. Paul Ratcliffe uh, was a six foot one. I think I've said that six foot one center as a sophomore. He's only sixteen years old, and uh, he goes to Florida and to Fort Myers High School. And Paul, during his senior year, led the state scoring and was selected Mister Basketball, which is the counterpart of Indiana's top basketball player uh, in at the end of the season. Well. Paul Radcliffe became Mr. Basketball in South Florida. So, yeah, we lost a really terrific player, and it would have made a difference, I believe. It would have made a difference. Well, you know, we talk about how relationships uh, uh, bond and six degrees of separations and stuff like that. He ended up actually working for you while you were out at Fort Collins, correct? Yes, he did. Um, that's an interesting story, too. We. Uh, I ended up here in Fort Collins in 1964, came here uh, when a new comprehensive high school opened, and I was selected to be the assistant principal and athletic director of this new high school. And uh, so over the course of years, uh, Fort Collins grew, and then a new high school opened in 1973, and I was 
selected to be the principal to open this new high school here in Fort Collins. Uh, I called Paul Ratcliffe and I said, I'm looking for a basketball coach, would like to have you considered. Turns out he was the baseball coach at Edison Junior College in Fort Myers, Florida. And it just turns out that at the time with his family and all, he just was not going to be able to even think about making a move. And so I went on with the process of opening the school. And then about three or four years later, I called Paul again and I said, we have an athletic director position open and uh, I'm uh, not going to call you again. And so... <laughs> turns out that he <laughs> turns out that he uh, flew at Fort Collins and we talked and and long story short he got the job he became the athletic director of the school uh, I retired and then he became the principal when I retired uh, coach what was what was the job market like after that 57-58 season were, were there tri- were there people trying because of your success during 57 and 58 were people trying to get you to change coaching jobs and uh, was your focus on staying at, at Springs Valley how, how does that work in the mind of a coach that's had some success and then you know people are chatting and talking on your ear well you know Bill in 1957-58 I'm 25 years old after the tournament, I don't know if you knew that, but I was selected as Indiana Coach of the Year, 1958. Uh, I think someone said that I was the youngest coach that ever ever have received that award. Uh, I might say that, yeah, the, I do have that nice big trophy setting here in my den, <laughs> but I've always said I'm I'm only the custodian of that trophy. Uh, the real owners of this trophy belongs to the 58 Blackhawks. Well, to make kind of a long story short, you can understand that with the two the two seasons that we had, one 25 and 0, and then lo- losing that final game, and then of course uh, the next year, 18 and 3 or 18 4. I think there was some interest in Rex Wells throughout the state. I did get a lot of calls, and I did uh, think about making a move, uh, and which I did. Uh, turns out, I made a move to Greensburg, Indiana, Greensburg High School. So now I'm uh, I'm the coach of Greensburg High School, beginning with the uh, 1959-60 season. I learned later after I took the job that Greensburg had a had a uh, uh, notoriety of being the uh, the cemetery of coaches. (laughs) 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 So, and I I don't think I knew that at the time that took that I took the job. But I will say this, Greensburg, moving to Greensburg was a good experience for me. It really was. It was a bigger school in a real tough conference. Uh, I think it was the Southwest Conference of Indiana, and, of course, it had some great schools, Columbus, Shelbyville, all the great powers of southern Indiana, Jeffersonville won, uh, Bloomington. All these schools were powerhouse schools, really, 
And uh, I tell you, the competition the competition was, was pretty intense. It was a very intense. But turns out the first year we had uh, the first half of the season was very bad. We just ne- never could get going. But for some reason, we got going the second half of the season, and lo and behold, uh, uh, we won the sectional. We won Greensburg's first sectional, and I think it was six or seven years uh, in 1950 or 1960 and uh there's always a great story you know bill uh indiana coaches basically high school basketball they always have said it's not far from the penthouse to the outhouse <laughs> in, in 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 basketball coaching and it is so true it is so true in in indiana uh at Greensburg, won that sectional, and we ended up playing Madison, and then we won the first game of the regional. End up playing a great Madison team in the finals of the uh, the regional. Uh, Madison was, of course, uh, without question, they were the favorites, and we hung in there the first half. But then they really got hot and and, and beat us pretty handily. Uh, they were expected to be in the final four that year, but I think maybe they might have been upset in the semi-state. But, but anyway, uh, I was given the key to the city, uh, Bill, in, in the 1960. Uh, Greensburg hadn't won very many games the prior four or five years. Maybe I think they said they'd only won four or five games in four years. So I was... Uh, as a coach, I guess I was pretty popular for at least a year. But like I say, it's not far from the penthouse to the outhouse because the next year we had a real tough season. Uh, won maybe I don't know seven, eight games, and it was it was not a good season. But uh, I was encouraged uh, to kind of start looking for another job after that second year. And, and I'm not and I'm not being critical of the. I'm not being critical of Greensburg. I love the town. I love the the school, but that that was pretty common in Indiana. Uh, school boards want you to win. That simple. School boards want you to win. So so then I moved. So, so then I got a invite to go back to Spring Valley after two years in Greensburg, which I did. What now? Now uh, it, it, I haven't been back home and well, and traveled the state of Indiana in years. So, is Greensburg mm-hmm. the one that has the tree growing out of the courthouse, or is that Greencastle? <laughs> you got it. Greensburg has a tree growing out of the courthouse. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's great. You got a good memory. That's, that is, that's a heck of a signature for a town, isn't it? The tree growing out of the courthouse. Yeah, I, it's there. I remember. There. I remember my girlfriend at the time's uh, father was huge on going to historical places and historical markers, and I remember him telling me we're going to a place that has a tree growing out of the courthouse, and I thought, <laughs> "You are crazy! Why are we going there?" <laughs> well, it was there for sure. It was there. <laughs> so, what was the what was the invite like, and what was it like going back to uh, Springs Valley? Um. Uh, it was kind of nice. In fact, uh, it changed my whole career, really. Um, 
I got this call from a superintendent, and they more or less said, hey, uh, we're going to have an opening, and uh, would you be interested in coming back? And I did say, yes, I would, because I knew I wasn't going to be – I had a three-year contract, but the superintendent was a nice guy. He said, you know, uh, if I were you, I'd start looking for a job. And I did, and I did. So uh, I got this call, and and I met, and I said, I would love to come back, but the fact that I have just about finished my master's degree in uh, school administration, uh, I would like to offer an idea that maybe you could uh, appoint me as uh, athletic director, and then I could teach a couple classes and coach basketball. Well, that that was a pretty good idea, and both of us uh, agreed to the terms, signed a contract, moved back to Spring Valley, French Lick, uh, for the 1960-61 season, I guess it would be, no, 61-62 season. It would have been 61-62 season. So I'm the athletic director of the high school. We started football that year, by the way, which was, kind of a big thing for me to help uh, get going um, and then uh, I coached that year um, in the summers I came to Fort Collins continue to work on my degree and finally I did get my master's degree so in 1962 uh, I was I got a call when I was in summer school and here in Fort Collins. I got a call from the superintendent, and he said, hey, uh, we're going to make a change in the principal of the high school, and we want you to be the principal. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, I don't think I'm ready to be a principal. I still want to coach basketball, et cetera, et cetera. Well, <laughs> at a weak moment in my life, I I think I probably said after he kept badgering me and saying, well, we're going to take your appointment to the board next Monday night, and uh, that's where it's going to be, and we want you to be the principal. So I get in the car, my wife and I, we had two young children at the time, and we drove back to French Lick, and now I'm the principal of the high school. And that changed my whole career, that I was never going to coach basketball again, which, uh, by the way, uh, Larry Bird had just entered elementary school. (laughs) Now, does that tell you something about (laughs) decision-making? Yeah, Larry Bird just just entered uh, elementary school when I came back to French Lake in 1961 and 2, yeah. But so, anyway, I'm the principal, and... uh, uh, I stayed in that job for I don't know what it was two or three years and then I got a an opportunity to come to Fort Collins to be an assistant principal of a brand new high school a brand new comprehensive high school that was going to open in the fall of 1964 and I got the job I came out here and interviewed and talked to the people I had met in my summer school uh, contacts and all uh, got the job, and I was the first assistant principal and athletic director of this new high school. So that's where I started my second career, I guess you'd call it. Oh, so so now this sounds good because um, I, I had thought, and maybe you can uh, shed some light on this, that 
that Jerry Reynolds was the reason why you quit coaching basketball in Indiana. <laughs> Jerry said this. <laughs> Jerry said this. He's the one that told the story. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry Reynolds, I don't know if I told this story, but Jerry Reynolds was a, a guard on that last team I coached, you know, and and he was a great guy. I mean, he was just full of energy and a, and a you know, he wasn't very big, about five, six, or seven, maybe 145 pounds. But he loved the game of basketball, and his heroes, his heroes were the 58 Blackhawks. And he'll tell you that today. You know, he'll tell you that today. So, what was it like? Uh, I have a story to tell you, and I, he's probably going to be mad at me for telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. While you were principal at Springs Valley. Evidently, you did a fine, fantastic job, and that's why you went on to Colorado and uh, became such a success as, as you did. And uh, uh, the gentleman's name is Kim Agin. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Kim Agin. How did you know Kim Agin? Well, you know, oh. once, you, once you get into basketball... You oh, know, yeah. and, 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 you know, and it, it is. It amazes me doing this oh, stuff about you know the six degrees of separation. You get one thing after another, and when you have the same passion, it's amazing the 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 uh, the friendships right. and and the relationships that that can come about. It is, and and the last time I, and of course I have been in touch with the Egan family from time to time. Uh, uh, Kim's father was a hero of mine. He was uh, a Navy guy, World War II. He was a submariner and all this. And uh, uh, his he was a big basketball fan, really, really loved basketball. Went to West Baden High School and all. But Kim Egan, yeah, Kim Egan. Last time I heard of Kim, he was in San, San Diego, I think, maybe. Yeah, I think now he currently either lives, A, in Utah or in Wyoming and has become very successful. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. But but the story, the story which is interesting is that you know I guess he got suspended from school and you, he, you're out and about and you see him uh, out of school and you're like you know what I think I need to talk to dad and get him back into school because it's probably better for him to be back in school. That's probably true. I don't remember that, but <laughs> probably true. Yeah, yeah. So so you're getting ready to make that jump to Colorado. Uh, are you? Are you kind of indifferent? Was it was it enough money or what you wanted to do? Was there something else out in Colorado that you were going to enjoy? Well, how hard was it le to leave the state of Indiana? Well, okay, Bill, it was pretty hard. I tell you the truth. Of course, uh, at the time we left, we th we had three small children, two girls and a boy, and uh, they were all going to be preschool and all. But when we picked up and and loaded the stuff and all. My mom and my wife's family, they thought that we were going to die. They they thought it was all over for us, <laughs> and we would never see them again. And I think it was really traumatic from our families, from standpoint, it, it was. Now, from our standpoint, it was an exciting thing. I mean, <laughs> it was really exciting making this move. Uh, it turned out that... <clears throat> We learned about Fort Collins, or I did, and both of us. Uh, a teacher friend of mine at Spring Valley had come to Fort Collins in the summers and did some work at the school, and he was a great trout fisherman. He'd come out here and fish in those streams, and 
turns out he had taken some nice slides and pictures of his uh, experiences. And one night we were at their house, and he showed us all those slides. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's got to be us. So that's kind of how we ended up here in Fort Collins, really. And, and once you've made the move and you're out at Fort Collins, I mean, uh, did you still have the urge to, to want to coach, or did you just want to stay in administration? Well, we <laughs> I did coach uh, a girls' team here when I was a principal. At the, it's called Rocky Mountain High School, the, the new school that I opened in 1973. But my wife was a nurse at the hospital, and and she had some nursing friends that uh, they thought they wanted to be uh, a basketball team, so they conned me into being their coach. And uh, being the being that I, I had the keys to the a gymnasium, why I could get in the gym and we could get some practices on Sunday afternoon, this, that, and the other. And and it turns out we had this little city league uh, of the girls basketball city league team. And we had more fun than you can just imagine. Uh, turns out that, actually, turns out we were undefeated. We won the little tournament they had, and uh, I think we had 12 games that we won. Uh, but I really put these gals through the through the experience of of uh, discipline and and being in good physical shape and and learning how to block out at rebounds, et cetera. Um, but I still have that memory, and it was a good one. Still is. So you started out as an assistant principal. Did you climb up the ladder at Fort Collins? I started as assistant principal, new high school. We opened the the, the school. Uh, I was there five years, and then I was uh, encouraged to take a uh, middle school job, which I did, and I was a principal of a middle school for I guess it was three or four years but in the interim I was working on a doctor's degree at the University of Nebraska and one of the requirements was to be on campus for at least a year and a half to quote write the dissertation that you're going to have to write as a requirement to to have the degree so I took a leave of absence I took a sabbatical leave and moved back to Lincoln, Nebraska for a year and a half and finished up a doctor's degree. My wife and the kids, they stayed here in Fort Collins and they went to, of course they were in elementary school at the time and she was still working at the hospital as a nurse. So I go back there and I end up finishing up my degree in 1970, uh, came back to Fort Collins, of course, and about that same time a new school was being built and it was going to be uh, it was going to be open somewhere in the fall of seven, 1973 so I was appointed principal of the school two years before it was open and I continued to be my uh, continued to be a principal of the of the uh, middle school so after about a year or so they uh, hired a new principal for the junior high, and so now I'm uh, getting ready to hire the staff and the equipment and so forth. I was really fortunate to be able to plan the school from the 
ground up with the committee and with the architects. So we opened the school in the fall of 1973. I don't know, maybe 1,200 kids. Uh, and this, it was ninth, tenth, and eleventh, uh, or uh, ten, eleven, and twelfth grade at that time. Uh, so it was a big experience to open a high school. It became the third large high school in Fort Collins at the time. So it was uh, very rewarding. And then, of course, I was there for 15 years before I retired then. So when is the first thought, the first rumor, and the first phone call that you get from Tim Wright on uh, doing this book? And were you thinking about it should be a book before even the rumor or Tim Wright called you? Well, that's a good story, too, because uh, uh, I think I might have said this before. You know, I've waited, we, I should say we, we've waited 60 years. I'm talking about the team now. We've waited 60 years for this story to be told. Uh, I have said this to Paul Radcliffe, my friend here in Fort Collins. I wish that you and I could have re- uh, wrote this story. Well, we didn't. We couldn't. We had families, et cetera, et cetera. And, but anyway, it happened that in 2007, in 2007, uh, French Lick Chamber of Commerce, uh, I believe it was, invited us, I'm talking about the 58 team, because it was the 50th year. It was the 50-year anniversary of the team. They invited us to come back, all of us, and be the grand marshal of a big parade that they have in the fall. Uh, and and we did. We all came back. I'm talking about all the members of the team that were out of state. They came back, and, and of course, the local guys, they were there. So we had this great big uh, parade and uh, fire trucks and all that riding on the fire trucks. It was just terrific. Turns out, uh, wife and I are staying at the French Lake Hotel, and I don't know, it was in... Uh, afternoon I think on a Sunday or Friday or sometime that I'm in the lobby of the hotel and this guy comes up and he says are you Rex Wells and I said yes and I said well who are you and she, he said <laughs> well my name's Tim Wright and I said oh my god right away I knew I said I know your dad he, he, he said oh really yeah I said your dad played at French Lake High School when I was a young player at West Baden and and he was one of my all-time heroes. I said, he was a heck of a ball player. I said, all and on, and how's he? And I think at the time, maybe uh, his name was Billy D., Billy D. Wright. I think he might have passed away then. But anyway, Tim introduced himself, and right away he was talking about the team in 58 and all that season. And he was a first grader, he said, time at the time. And he was just uh he was just overblown with the uh the team his dad would take him to home games and all uh, so it just turns out that Tim said something of the fact that he really wanted to write a story about the fifty eight team and and uh we were sitting down at the bar having a beer and he said i said hey tim i tell you what i tell you what i've got probably two or three really big thick uh scrapbooks of the clippings and the stuff and and i've got a, several original pictures of the team and the action shots of the season all i'm going to send these 
scrapbooks and pictures to you as soon as I get home. And I did. I sent them to Tim Wright. He lived in Indianapolis. Uh, okay, about seven years later now, about seven or eight, six, seven years later, I get to thinking about my scrapbooks, thinking, you know, these are really important documents. They're uh, family heirlooms for my kids, and I wonder whatever happened to them. I wonder if Tim Wright still has them. So I found Tim's telephone number through a cousin of his back home, and I called Tim. Yeah, he said, I've got these books. Don't worry about it. Uh, they're safe. He said, uh, I said, are you ever going to start writing that book? You talked about it. He said, it's funny that you called. He said, you know what? I'm just starting to write this book, and I'm just getting my thoughts together. Turns out that Tim had a this music career of his and had spent a lot of time and a lot of money with his music and his career and hoping to reach the top in that very heavy competitive music industry. Uh, but then Tim told me, he said, I am going to start writing. Well, he did. He started to put together the the writing and and he would uh, email me and say, hey, Rex, I've got uh, chapter one or two, whatever. Would you read it and would you uh, make comments and give me a call and we can talk about it. So that's, that thing went on like that for, I don't know, at least a year. And uh, it became more and more exciting to both of us. And I was remembering these incidences and he was asking me all about, well, what happened here, what happened there. But I tell you, uh, it was a... It was an experience in my in my life that just opened just opened up. But it, it just I was thinking that I was coaching basketball again, and it was really exciting, and still is still is exciting to have Tim call me and he said, "Well, do you remember this or do you remember that?" Uh, and that's how kind of turned out and then of course Tim he began to get serious he interviewed all the play, living players and their families and he would go to down to French Lick and talk to the local people about all these things uh, Tim did a tremendous amount of research on this book and it's about real people it's about real events there's not very much uh, fiction in the book most of it's non-fiction you know uh, and he's got it pinned down really good the story in itself it's more than just the basketball team uh it's more than just winning 25 straight games and losing the final game <coughs> excuse me it's it's about two towns also and it's a great story it really is a great story you know interesting is when uh i was growing up uh, uh i actually got the <laughs> the opportunity to go see the wright brothers at beef and boards in indianapolis Oh, and, really? and, wow. and 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 didn't think didn't think anything about it and uh going back to uh getting Kim um Egan up from underneath the bus that I just threw him under uh he <laughs> he he uh with the friendship and us going back and forth about basketball he said you know what you should call Tim Wright he's writing a book about the 1957-58 Springs Valley Blackhawks and you yeah. should interview him or chat with him a little bit so that's how I got on that, yeah. that's how I got on that, and then interviewing Tim, and then um, one day I sent an email to somebody, and and the, the the not an email, a text, and the text said, "Is he still acting like an ass?" 
Well, I actually <laughs> sent that text message to Tim, but it was supposed to go to somebody else. And oh, Tim, oh, te- Tim texts me back, and he goes, oh, oh no problem. I, I know that's the wrong person you sent it to. Uh, but you know who would be a great interview would be Rex Wells. And so, really? that, so that is how really? Six Degrees of Separation, really? how I got your number and called you to set this up and chat with you. I'll be darn well. That is amazing. Yes. So, so the book is getting ready to come out. You know what? What I mean? Are, are you packing up to come back to Indiana? How was the book uh, uh, unveiled or rolled out? And and how did you like coming back to Indiana? And how often do you come back to Indiana? Well, over the course of years, I used to we we Martin and I and Margaret and I and my kid we'd come back often to see our families and all. Uh, uh, of course, they're all gone now and. Uh, I don't have any family per se in in the area in French Lake West Bay anymore, but I do uh, I do go back from time to time. Uh, I have some property there that I'm trying to develop and have some uh, small houses built for rental property and uh, sales and all. But anyway, uh, uh, I, I think probably uh, maybe just maybe we're thinking maybe we might just uh, uh, move back there someday. You know, my roots are still Indiana. Now, my uh, uh, my rear end is here in Fort Collins for the last 50-some years, but I think my heart's still in French Lake and West Bay. Coach Wells, what do you think of the game or the state of basketball today? Be it be it in Colorado or uh, college or even uh, uh, you know class basketball or classless basketball or whatever you want to call it in Indiana. What what are your opinions on uh, how the game has changed or or what it's like today compared to what you what it meant to you? Well, you know, in the era I call it the era of single class tournament basketball in Indiana, it was the most unique thing in the, probably in the old United States, where the little teams would be paired up against the big teams during the tournaments, and 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 you know what, the excitement was just overwhelming, and the and the attendance, the attendance at these games was unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, I think that it was inevitable to happen. I, I don't remember the year, 1996, I think maybe it was. Maybe, Correct. Th- uh, that, uh, that this was all going to change, uh, and it was, it was a movement that probably should have changed. Now, I know a lot of people, and probably Bobby Plump included in Milan, from the Milan Miracle team, uh, would still profess to think that, you know the single class basketball should be reinstated <clears throat> it's not going to happen unfortunately it isn't uh being a school person all these years i think the the movement to have class basketball based on enrollment uh was going to happen and it did of course and looking back and all and same thing here in fort Colorado or in colorado we have the class system in in uh, the sports and all, uh, some would say, "Well, the meaning of winning a basketball tournament, state tournament, if you're class A or class B or whatever, uh, that has no excitement than if you were, say, winning the tournament as we did years ago uh, in the single class tournament." But you know what? These kids, these kids today. If they win a tournament, and I had experience it, 
in the Fort Collins here in football and wrestling, basketball, you name it, baseball. <coughs> Winning those tournaments, no matter the class designation, is still important to these boys and girls. It really is important to them. Uh, it has a great deal of meaning. Uh, I think it's probably here to stay. I'm sure it is. So what does Coach Rells, Wells do in retirement? Uh, that's kind of an interesting story. I, I, I have a new career. I have a whole new career. 1987, I retired from uh, being a high school principal. Turns out I had a health problem. I had what was called uh, the widow's uh, disease. had a heart problem. And uh, I was uh, hospital with this process. I think they call it opening up the arteries, angioplasty, where they go in and open up the arteries of the heart. Well, I had that done several times. And more or less, the doctor told me, hey, you've got four things to do if you want to live. You've got to get rid of the job you're in. You've got to change jobs. It's too stressful right now. Uh, you've got to be on a med- medical or a me- medicine reg- regimentation, okay, and you got to get on a good diet for your for your eating habits, and you've got to exercise. That's four things you've got to do. Well, I took it. Uh, I took it serious. I took it serious. I resigned and all. I, re- I became very bored, very depressed. Turns out, my daughter, who is a CPA in California, she kept on my case saying, Dad, you've got to do something different. You can't just sit around. So being a good, uh, sort of a good uh, person with numbers, I have a math uh, major in in college. Uh, She said, why don't you go back to school, take some counting courses? And uh, she said, I think you could... uh, you you could have another career. Well, after about a year or so of this, I did. I went back to CSU here, Colorado State University, took some county courses and all, and was able to uh, get enough courses to be qualified as a public accountant. So for the last 26 years, I have a tax and accounting business here in Fort Collins, uh, one time, I think I might have, and I did it all on my own. I don't have any partners anymore, but I think I had as many as three three hundred clients at one time. So, and I'm still doing it right today. I'm still uh, doing uh, small business returns, accounting, individual tax return. So that has been my second career of the next, last twenty five years. Do you golf? I used to golf. Don't anymore. I've got a shoulder problem, so I don't golf anymore. Uh, loved it. Loved to play. Used to fish a lot. Don't do that anymore. I think the biggest uh, thing I look forward to, and this is really something, Bill, looking forward to being able to take a little old uh, Boston Terrier dog for a walk for about an hour every afternoon. Now, that, Now, that's when it really becomes serious, when you're looking forward to taking your your little old Boston Terrier for an hour walk now. Coach. I, think it, I think I've told you what it is. I've got this condition 
Uh, it's called Inescapable Consequences of Old Age. <laughs> well, and it's it's common for my age group, I've found out. Well, is today your birthday? You're coming up on your 86th birthday, right? It, shortly. 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 Yeah. Well, well the, the name of the book is The Valley Boys, the story yep. of the 1958 Springs Valley Blackhawks by Timothy Wright. Uh, within um, this program here, you'll be able to see it in the description of the program on a link on where you can get this book. Get this book if you have the chance. If you love the game of basketball or, or if you want a, a, a great story, which is true story, get this book. And also, too, I'll put in there information on how to be able to get the uh, short and long of a basketball scorebook from that year also. But Coach Rex Wells, thank you so much for spending a couple hours with us. I know time is valuable. I appreciate it. And I'm, everybody who's listened to Part 1 is really looking forward to Part 2, and I thank you so much for your time. Bill, it's been wonderful. Uh, these short times that we've had, uh, it seems like I've known you for years and years. You know that? 